passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, everybody. This is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week. They are regulars on this podcast. Chad Finn is the Boston Globe sports media writer. Austin Karp is the assistant managing editor slash digital for Sports Business Journal. And we are back to do a little roundtable discussion action on a number of subjects. Chad and Austin, welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks, Rich. Loving the weather here in Charlotte, Rich. (laughs) I know. How dare you as I look outside my Toronto snowy place here. But uh, listen, God bless Charlotte. God's country. All right, let's talk. We're going to start with this, Austin. Since you since you since you gave us so you gave Chad and me a little bit of a rise there for your beautiful weather, we're going to start with you. Um, NBA All Star Game viewership came in, and uh, it was to be polite garbage. Mm. Uh, Four point six million viewers on TNT TBS. It's easily the least watched NBA All Star Game on record, thanks to Austin Carp. I know that it was down twenty five twenty seven percent from twenty twenty two, which had Winter Olympic competition. The previous low was 5.9 million. So that is a massive, massive drop. I will get into some of the more good news for the NBA. But Austin, this is a 10 pole. Mm-hmm. This is a 10 pole event for this league. It's an incredibly sexy event for the league. Players love to be there, and I don't blame them. It's a fun weekend for them. And you do want at the end of all this to have some kind of signature event that you could you know, sort of put out there in the marketplace, like, okay, these are our best players. These are the most famous, some of the most famous people in the world. Tune in and you're going to check out this awesome stuff. That was not the case. That game was horrible. <laughs> and the viewership, quite frankly, like deserved to be horrible. Uh, what was your big picture takeaway from uh, some pretty bad viewership here? No, I mean, I think you get a better audience out of filming layup lines before any sort of regular season game. It's it's the type of audience, when you're when you're down 20%, from whatever your previous record low is, that's got to be the sort of number that forces league and network executives to get in a room and be like, what do we do here? And this is not without precedent. We saw that the Pro Bowl had to have some substantive changes in the past. Major League Baseball's All-Star game had to have some substantive changes. So what is that going to look like? I I don't know. Like, I mean, on terms of social media, like the NBA All-Star game, you would think had like some sort of record number. But even Saturday night from the NBA All-Star game, with all that noise around Mac McClung, that was a record low for a Saturday night on TV. Okay, but they're, but they're setting records on social media because all anybody wants to see are the clips of Mac McClung's winning dunks. So it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there, but it goes back to how people are consuming NBA games this year, uh, in, in this day and age. It's a lot of social media. It's a lot of short bits of games. So, yeah, like as far as a two hour, two and a half hour television product, I, I think they're going to have to really get in a room and, and look at what they want to do with the future of NBA All-Star Weekend on TV. That's the, t- that's the great take, Austin. And that's right, because like they, they do have some positives and you hit on that, like their engagement on social mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And 
you know, the, the, the NBA, which is very, very aggressive when it comes to PR. And there's a lot of people there I respect, uh, Jacinda Ortiz in particular, who I deal with a lot in PR is very, very good and very, very smart, but you know, they're going to highlight what was good here. And what was good here was engagement, social media metrics, average age of viewers, which beat Daytona. Mm-hmm. We'll get into Mike Mulvihill tweeting that stuff out a little bit down the road here. <laughs> uh, but Chad, you are from a, um, you are from a city that has a legitimate chance to win a title this year. Obviously, Jason Tatum was far and away the star of that game. But, you know, like, there was at one point, and I know you, both of us are big, uh, big NBA fans, there was at one point a commitment from the players to play this game hard, at least in the fourth quarter. And they got a lot of great press from that. I, I, I'm with Austin. Like, there has, they have to figure out what to do. And I don't know if that's making... I, like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know if it's like home court advantage in the NBA Finals is on the no. line. I don't know if you turn it back into East versus West. Like I don't know what the answer is, but there has to be a change here because the um, this to me felt like the Nadir. Like it was just, as a person who likes that sport, I found that game unwatchable. Uh, well, obviously, you didn't appreciate uh, the J- Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 90 points while eight other guys stood around and watched in the second half. That uh, had a very specific appeal to the Boston demographics, but uh, <laughs> it was terrible for every other city. But uh, I don't know how they fix it. I, I saw a great clip uh, on social, of course, where all the NBA clips are, and uh, it was from, the, I believe, 1993, the last time they were in Salt Lake City, and it, it looked like a real basketball game. It was the greatest players in the game, Jordan, uh, Barkley, everybody else, but uh, they were actually playing. And I don't know how you get that back. I mean, you uh, you can go to the, I guess the league can go to the players union and the players and say, listen, we uh, the charade of the layup line here needs to end. Uh, but how do you translate to the, the court if the players aren't taking it? seriously and just trying to get through it uh you know without getting hurt and losing a nine-figure contract because of that so uh i really i I don't know how they fix it you you mentioned um you know you mentioned tying it to something important home court home court advantage for for the finals it was a disaster in baseball i mean everybody hated it i don't know maybe it maybe that would be different with basketball but uh uh it really just requires the the commitment of the players to changing how they play the game, and I don't know if you're going to get that. It's a, it's more of a show than an actual contest. So you know, like one of the things that baseball has figured out is that the the skills competition part is really really attractive to people. Home run derby. I don't think Austin did it. It hasn't still beaten the game, right? It's come close, but it hasn't been. And if it changed this year, it wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, like you had you hit on it. It's a show. So lean into that. Okay. We don't need a game yeah. per se. We saw how well received the NFL's. I mean, it was a flag football game. Okay. But let's have the stars come out. People want to see the stars. Is it a three on three game? Is it, I, I agree that I don't think awarding the NBA finals home court advantage is the answer, but maybe your team gets some extra ping pong balls in the lottery. I, I don't know. They got to get creative. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think would be cool is I think actually if you did, uh, twelve person roster, six WNBA players, six NBA players, and played it. Uh, would be interesting. That's something I think would be interesting. Maybe others would not. They do. There are things that they can do with the skills competition. But here's the interesting thing, Austin. And again, this was from Sports Business Journal. I think from you, in fact, um, or maybe it's from the NBA and sort of passed it on. But like the there, there's very good stories this year in the NBA. Particularly attendance is a good mm-hmm. one. They're playing at 96% capacity this year, which is up 6% from last year. This is at the halfway point. Their average attendance is 17,972 fans, you know, presuming that they're they're, they're counting this honestly. Um, so in-game, like, they're doing phenomenal. Like, the in-game experience is, like, there, and people are interested in the NBA. It, they, they do have to figure out, I think, what to do with this showcase and then and this is where i want to get you on austin too the the first half viewership was flat versus last season which i would call that a win just given the era that we're in to me flat is always the new up yeah out of home 
out-of-home numbers actually kicked that up. So again, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, let's say, with like 2018, 2017. But, you know, it's not like they're spiraling downward. It's just it's just this particular weekend was a, was a mess. How do you look at the NBA right now, just in terms of sort of the health of the league, in terms of eyeballs, viewership, et cetera? Yeah, I think you separate this weekend from what the regular season is doing. And I am bullish on the back half of the season. I think that they always backload a lot of these important games. They had the ability to flex out. You're going to flex out a lot of those Nets games. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of those on ESPN or TNT. They're going to try to get out of as many of those as possible. Um, I think you want to see some more Suns games, but it's not like we were always wanting to watch a lot of the West Coast uh, games anyways in that 10 o'clock window. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with some of those 7 o'clock games. But, I mean, there's also the problem on the RSN side, which is just the whole podcast into itself. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's, they, they have a little bit – I think you do need to separate the, the fact that the NBA All-Star game needs to be fixed. But the product is having a good season. Like you said, attendance is there. TV numbers are generally there. I wish – I'm sure they hope the Warriors were a little bit better in the back half. I, I, I think they're hoping that LeBron makes at least a push for the play-in series there you know, yeah you need you need the you need the lakers to have some kind of playoff yeah, you got to have something relevancy if they're, and if they're trying to yeah. bend and, and if they don't and then lebron like you know get, you know takes his injury uh time off in the at the back half of the season you know they're late i think that would suck for some tv numbers but uh yeah i, I just i don't think it's a systemic issue with the nba numbers overall i think this is kind of isolated to what the nba all-star game has become yeah and i will get uh, as the as Austin reference, uh, we'll, we'll talk about diamond sports group and, um, and the, um, you know, possible prearranged chapter 11 bankruptcy coming up and how that's going to impact, uh, a ton of you who are listening to this, depending where you are in the country. And I'll get sort of the, the more business specific, uh, uh, reporters who've been working on that on a, on a daily basis. But obviously that's a massive, massive story when it comes to, uh, basketball and certainly a massive one in baseball. I'm sure you've read about that. Chad, if I'm uh, if I'm playing the NBA viewership game, I th- I might want the Celtics versus the Suns in the final. Yeah, I think that's probably the the, the number one wish, right? Uh, other than maybe, I mean, maybe it's the Lakers is the number one wish because it's LeBron. But I yeah. think I don't know. I almost you know I almost feel wish. like yeah, realistic wish. But um, but the Celtics will be a phenomenal draw. In the East, um, no offense to the Bucks, who have a, you know, an incredible team and obviously one of the world's greatest players, if not the greatest player. But there's a difference in television interest with the Celtics versus the Bucks. They're just happy your home city of Toronto isn't in the mix this year. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's uh, um, uh, I think uh, my home city will make the playoffs. Played much better in the last couple of weeks with the Yaka Pirtle trade, but uh, I would not expect a parade. I think they're happy the down, there. Uh, them the more. Knicks are back in the playoffs. Are they a contender? No, but the, them back in the playoff yep. picture is good. Especially the oh, what's the appeal of Philly? Is our high appeal of the Sixers? Yeah, great tell. Yeah, great television yeah. market that over. I mean, this is Austin's uh, expertise. But Austin, tell me if I'm wrong. Great television market that usually over indexes because, like, when their teams are in the playoffs, the the households that actually tune into sports go through the roof. Yeah, and you know what kind of worries me about Boston, though, Chad, unfortunately, is how everything performed last year during the finals. Boston's mm-hmm. a badass team with badass players who I would love to watch as an NBA fan, but I totally expected more of a return on investment there during the finals last year. And it, it just gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because... Uh, Warrior um, fatigue, too. That, too. Absolutely. Yeah, some. And, and like, like as great as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, there. let's take Jason Tatum. Like, there's a difference between Jason Tatum and Steph Curry... Kevin Durant, right? Like it's just like there's a in terms of LeBron James. Well, yeah. I don't know right, any of them drawing like, fifty five in the All Star games. So. I'm not talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about in game play, Chad. I'm talking about recognizability and sort yeah, of. I, I uh, think that elevated casual for him. fan. It yeah, I, I, yeah, casual fan interest. I think he took the step actually, not to Curry's level. I, I, he and LeBron stand alone, but um, and, and maybe Durant's on that tier, although he's hurt all the time, but the. Yeah. Uh, all-Star game helps. All-Star game and launching his own signature yeah. shoe under the Jordan brand was a, a, a big marketing moment for him. And I think we see from this point forward, he's really in the conversation with guys like Luca and, and uh, 
probably ahead of Embiid uh, and up there, maybe on that Giannis level going forward. He cert- this feels in a lot of ways, and you know, I'm kind of in the middle of it up here, so maybe my point of view is a little right. skewed, but kind of feels like the year of Tatum is uh, underway. Is there, is there something like that? I think people think different. Is he so like? Is he so good? Is he like Jokic, where he's just so well rounded that it's boring sometimes? He doesn't have those flashy John Morant dunks or blocks off the backboard. Everything he's methodical. He does, yeah, he's so methodical. Yeah, yeah efficient. Yeah, I think Luca. Like I think, um, in terms of view viewability, they're both incredible. Luca does some things though that are like really just off the charts in terms of like three pointers from what feels like. You know Steph Curry land and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, weird angle yeah, shots. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, like, I love Jason Tatum. He's he's a top five player in the league to me. I think I could be wrong, but I think the casual sports fan will think differently of Jason Tatum with a title. Yes. I, I just think like he would ele- well, he would get elevated to a different belief. That's the, I'm not. I'm not talking <sighs> hardcore NBA fans. I'm just talking about people who might. Like certainly, oh, I've heard of this guy LeBron, well, or I've heard of this guy Giannis. He's on Ruffles like bags stuff. now. Yeah, when those commercials of Barkley and uh, yeah, I don't know who the other two, it's a WNBA player and some other NBA player that escaped me right now, but he's getting those kind of opportunities marketing wise. And he's the redemption story this year in a lot of ways, because he yeah. played yeah. like uh, uh, poorly in the finals against the Warriors last year and, um, you know, worked his ass off in the off season was kind of fueled by that uh, disappointment. So it feels like this is a continuation of that story for him. We'll see how it ends, but yeah. it, it does need yeah, to I end love for him to make that leap uh, with the title for sure. I, but yeah, Tatum's the best player on that team. But my favorite player to watch is Jalen Brown. Not me, I love man. That guy he just does every, does everything right. He did, uh, check the check the uh uh uh. uh I'm drawing a blank on what the uh, number is but uh, they're better with him off the court than on oh, the he's the only minus? guy who doesn't move the oh. ball yeah uh no How no plus you. minus uh, uh offensive and defensive rating you know so oh. points per 100 That's, possession i love the Jaylen, Toronto. but he's we'll take him he, here jalen is uh totally dependent on uh, getting his own points okay all right well but this is a We'll sit, you know. The, the, I know. I know you have fifteen thousand NBA podcasts to choose from. So um, <laughs> at we'll, the ringer we'll alone, you, we'll you choose that. <laughs> yeah, at the ringer alone, exactly. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, let's move on to MLS and Apple. Uh, You're going to listen to this on Monday. So the first weekend of the um, highly anticipated season pass will have begun. Um, every match, regular season, postseason, League Cups, All-Star Game, Developmental Leagues can now all be accessed on the Apple TV app, Apple TV, etc. Um, it is a massive, obviously, game-changing um, thing when it comes to sports media in terms of all this under one roof. That does that, that, Keep in mind, that is separate from how many people will actually watch it. You know, no one's, at least on this podcast, you know, we're, we, we all understand that the... Um, MLS is not, um, it's not the NFL. It's not premier league. It's, you know, last year, the numbers during the regular season, quarter million, you know, you know, uh, viewers. I mean, Austin could tell you this now, you know, that, and the, and the MLS cup got, you know, 1 million if it's on a Fox or something like that. So again, we're, we're talking relative niche product, but it's, it's a really, really interesting thing that they're doing. They've invested a shitload into quality announcers, studio shows, whip around coverage. So if you're an MLS fan, this is kind of like dreamland for you. Austin, again, we will we have not seen it yet, but we will all see it this weekend. But 
What do you anticipate here? Uh, and again, just sort of general thoughts on this. Well, I don't anticipate we're going to see the sorts of, you know, number. I don't know if we'll see any numbers, but if we do see the sorts of numbers, I don't think it's going to give us a true indication of how this thing is performing. Um, it's also a, this is a multi-year, this is a decade-long bet by Major League Soccer. Yep. But we're not going to have that indication like we get from Thursday Night Football this past season of how the NFL is performing. Remember, we, we didn't really get those breakouts for a long time. We don't get breakouts for how Major League Baseball is performing on a Peacock or on YouTube. Or, or Apple. Yeah, yeah exactly. Apple, right. So I think the numbers are going to, you know, there wasn't much there on linear TV anyways, like you said. Yeah, this is this is such a fantastic at venue product, and like the NHL and some of their numbers, it just doesn't equate to TV, which is why the NHL put a large majority of their games on those digital products on ESPN Plus. And they have more of a linear TV presence than obviously MLS does. But uh, yeah, I, I want to see what the response is. I think if you're a team, you're pretty pissed off. You're losing a lot of those uh, local TV dollars, especially if you're a bigger team like. Chicago Fire or LA Galaxy or LAFC. That's all now kind of was taken back by the league and, and put on this Apple product. So I think those are some of the teams that are going to feel the pinch, uh, you know, economically. But um, if you're a smaller team, I don't think it impacts you as much there. I am interested to see. I know other people in other sports. If you're the Pac-12, you're really interested to see how this does. It's strictly behind the paywall. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. For I mean, again, Chad. To me, like the. They will be successful if they can show proof of concept, meaning that if the product itself is good, forget about what the dollars are. And I think all of us who have actually inquired about this and quite frankly, usually like their competitors will leak it. Uh, not many people will watch an Apple television's baseball coverage. That's just to be blunt. Right. Like, the, right. you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but they were not good, um, you know, for sure. So, you know, the... The expectations here in terms of viewership should not be high, and I don't think they will be high, Chad. But what I think Apple slash MLS has to do, then this is the main goal, is exactly what Amazon's main goal was for the NFL. It's put on a quality product that fans think this is really high quality. There's no difference between this and linear television. Yeah. And then look at all these extra things that we that we get. That That to me is like how they'll succeed or not succeed and they're also charging a lot like relatively speaking if you're a diehard mls fan you'll get it but if you're a casual sports fan you know you're asking me to pony up 80 bucks 100 bucks for the year um that's a big ask if i'm not a big fan of this so that's what i think that you know if they can prove proof of concept year one then to me they win that that's the, that's what they should be thinking about yeah it needs to be conventional it can't be like what they did with uh trying to make baseball quirky on the friday nights with Hunter Pence and, and Katie Nolan is not back doing it. And uh, she was on Kenny Maine's podcast and said, thank God it's effing done when it, uh, back in November when it was over. So uh, the, the way they have to approach this is recognizing they're probably going to have a uh, young, much younger demo than baseball uh, and one that is going to know how to find them on streaming. I've had some complaints of New England Revolution fans saying, great, it's not on local TV up here anymore. What is a streaming service? How do I get this? How much do I have to pay? And I think for a few more years, probably, if, if we keep going this path with streaming, um, you know, and there's not a revolt back to cable, um, that uh, people eventually come out of that mindset and, and understand how to how to navigate all of this. But it, it's really important to have a conventional broadcast that appeals to, to true soccer fans because they're the ones that are going to watch it and they're the ones who are going to know how to find it. And I think, I mean, again, I had less, the, the podcast before you two, uh, I had Taylor Twelman, Marcelo Balboa, and Daniel Slayton. So I had three of their uh, new broadcasts, quite frankly, three of their high profile yeah. new hires. And I think, like, you know, that alone tells me that they're serious. Like, they've brought in some very, very good people to do this. I think if there's one thing they could use, it's probably like a signature play by play voice, like John Champion, Ian Dark. Um, Andres Cantor, like they don't have that. They don't have like the signature. Do you count like, John Strong in that group? Uh, well, he's gonna do. I, I also, I off the top of my head, it's he. I think he may do some Fox games, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But like that would be it. So no, I don't count him that because I don't think his number of games are gonna be that high. But yes, I would count him if he was 
you know, if, if it was a different package and like Fox had the main package, right. then yes, I yep. might. But um, so that's it. But otherwise, like I like I love the amount of tonnage that they're going to give the MLS fan in terms of these studio programming stuff. The one thing that Taylor Twelman said to me as I asked him about this, I said, "Do you, do you fear?" That you're not going to get any kind of coverage on places like ESPN now that they're uh, not a rights holder partner. Mm-hmm. And his he's actually had to give really interesting answer. He's like, one, well, how much were we getting anyway? <laughs> Which is totally fair. <laughs> and then two, I think he was saying like the story is going to be too big to avoid, particularly if they get if Miami gets Leo Messi. I was about to say, um, so that, you want to talk about what's going to drive it? It's going to be something like that. If I want yeah, to watch great Netflix, yeah, I, well, yeah. Miami, then that. That might be a reason to sign up for Apple TV. It would be. Uh, 1,000%. I mean, again, we you if you're interested in this subject, go back to my podcast from a couple of days ago. That that would be, there. in my opinion, there's no bigger singular move that any professional sports team could make in terms of bringing a athlete to the forefront than if MLS got messy. He's, he is the world's most famous athlete or second, if you want to put Ronaldo there or whatever, it would be game-changing for the league, even if the guy came at 36. They did have a decent turnout for that parade after they won the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, so that's so again, we'll, we'll all pay attention to that. I'll bring you guys back on after we take a look at it. Um, I was on a, uh, um, like other media people, I, you know, I sort of got a tour of like what their plans were in terms of like what the studio is going to look like and what things will look like from uh, Apple TV perspective. I mean, it looks sharp, but again, you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding mm-hmm. and, and we'll ultimately have to watch this stuff. But, um, but I'll be curious because like Austin said, it's a 10 year, I think I'm right about that, right? 10 yeah. years, eight years, whatever. The, the, like, like it's not just about this year. It's about long-term future. And quite frankly, it's not just about MLS because all these other companies are like, well, if this thing works, the whole paradigm maybe shifts and then you start seeing maybe some major sports behind the paywall forever. So that's, that's really what to, to pay attention to. Yo, Trey, Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP three in the same backcourt as Kobe in LA. Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP three finally gets a ring or two or three and the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey everybody, I'm Trey Wingo and I'm Kevin Frazier and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery alternate routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, a couple more topics I want to get to. Daytona Austin. Um 8.2 million viewers for the Daytona 500. So a little bit down from last year, but generally speaking not kind of falling off a cliff or anything like that. Um that as you point out is essentially what Fox would get for Ohio State Penn State football game. Um they blow away obviously Indy 500. <laughs> They're honestly you cannot compare the Daytona 500 to any F1 race. It's just, it's 4X. It's not close. So I think if you're Fox, like, you're generally happy with that. Although it's not, you know, it's not like headline news here. You didn't set any kind of new record. The sport still isn't close to what it used to got, get. Um, I think for casual fans, it 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 still can be a little bit of a challenge understanding the rules and things like that. So how did you... Uh, yeah, how'd you just sort of feel about the race when you saw the final viewership number, et cetera? I mean, good luck finding 8 million people to do anything on TV these days. I mean, that that's what it boils down to. Um, when I compared it to Penn State, um, Ohio State, that was a top 10 football game this past season. Okay. And if you're – football just needs to be completely separate almost from the conversation of other sports these days. And college football is creating its own little niche as the number two sport. Okay, and separating itself from a lot of the other properties. But if you take away like NFL football this coming this coming year for 2023, if you take NFL out of the equation, I still don't think that Daytona 500 is going to be one of the 50 most watched broadcasts on television. It's just not there. It's it's not at the NBA Finals. It's not at at the World Series level. 
It, it's not one of those properties, but it is by far the top motorsports property out there. And I think you're going to see that. I think uh, the incumbents will probably renew on the media right side at, at some sort of uptick for NASCAR, which is what I think they want to see, which is what the teams want to see because they want a bigger slice of that pie. But $8 million? Yeah, as long as they stayed above $8 million, I, I was pretty that's – a, that's a, that was a solid number for me. It was a holiday weekend. You had a lot of sports, a lot of properties looking to take advantage of the first big weekend that the NFL wasn't on. So the XFL is like, we want to go, go out this weekend. NBA All-Star, like, we're, we're on this weekend. The PGA Tour put one of their elevated events with Tiger Woods playing on, on Sunday. Um, it, was, it was a big weekend for sports. There was a lot going on. Oh, and it was beautiful outside on many of the East Coast markets. So they're working from a hole to begin with, you know, as far as hot levels you know, being what they are. You know, how is it using televisions, that, you know, watching TV and all that? So $8 million, very respectable number. Is it kind of the lowest yet for a when a Daytona 500 ran in its natural window on a Sunday? Yeah, it was. Okay, but that's kind of expected for a lot of properties these days. Chad, I'm going to get to you on XFL. So let me finish with Austin on Daytona. Um, so <laughs> I kind of love this because, like, it's sort of the really like the inside baseball. Of this. So uh, someone I've mentioned on this podcast before, Michael Mulvihill, a uh, very very bright guy. He is the uh, he's in charge of strategy and analytics for Fox sports. And really the reason how they game changed their college football coverage, because he identified that the noon kickoff window could be a place where Fox could win and totally game changed their, their viewership and their coverage in terms of, um, in terms of college football, in terms of the big 10, it actually set up them to have a, uh, while still trails by a lot, by, by a ton of viewership, they at least have a program now in their college football pregame show that at least is destination viewing for some. So I'm giving Mulva Hill flowers just to, before I now take my shot at him, right? <laughs> so he, he, I love this stuff. So he tweets out, he, he's talking about the gap between the Daytona 500 and the NBA All-Star game. Now, he's a Fox guy. He's obviously taking a shot at an ESPN, Warner Brothers Discovery property, and he's given his own property some love. We all see this, or at least, you know, I hope those of us who write about this stuff see this. So here's the thing, Austin. Comparing the Daytona 500 to the NBA All-Star game is absurd. The Daytona 500 is essentially the Super Bowl of NASCAR, correct? It's like yeah. the one sport the, yeah. where the biggest race starts at the beginning. So, like, should the end, should, 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 uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, ben Cafardo or uh, Chris LaPlaca like tweet out the NBA Finals viewership against whatever race NASCAR is running on June fourteenth because that would be the same. Yeah, they should. They It'd be the should. same equivalent, and then give me the gap <laughs> between that. Um, so of course, I mean, like, yeah, your your point. I get Mulvihill's Hill's point. His point is that the NBA All Star Game is fading. We all agree. I mean, we just spent thirteen minutes on that. But you can't compare the. I mean, they Daytona 500 is far and away the signature event NASCAR. It blows away every other race. It's the. It's the. Yeah, it's an event. Yeah. Like it's an event in the same in way the Masters sports. is an yeah. event. In the same way the Olympics is an event. I mean, you know, you can't compare that. And if you're the NBA, right? What you're going to counter that? Your counter is well, what'd you do in 18 to 49? Because we beat you. And I'm I'm right on that, Austin. Right, the NBA All Star Game still, even with declining ratings, still 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 beat Daytona. So I found that hilarious, Austin. I know that's very inside baseball viewership wise. <laughs> I had a lot of uh, a lot of eye rolls. Good job, by uh, Mulvihill, though. Way, he got he got two hundred <laughs> He got two hundred fifty eight thousand um, views. Like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was good. He's defending his property. Well, I think NASCAR takes a lot of shot. You know, they take a lot of hits. That it's yeah, a, you which know, is not true. Four total total foul. Males over the yeah. age of eighty-five years old that watch their sport. It's not 85. true. It's not true. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've taken a lot of grief over these last couple of years with F one drive to survive, and oh my god, F one is the next biggest thing. Yeah, crushes the Daytona five hundred at its lowest is four x four times better than than the best F one races ever here. So I think they would just want to. You know, they want to really put it out there like, hey, we're still, you know, King Kong here in terms of motorsports series. 
Yeah, I, fa- I found out. Listen, and again, I had Larry McReynolds and Mike Joy on. Obviously, I like NASCAR. Um, I've talked about this many times on podcasts. One of my favorite assignments ever at Sports Illustrated was going to six tracks in eight weeks. It was incredible. Uh, like Austin said, that's really what changed my entire perception of NASCAR fans. The point is, like, it, it's not just like 75-year-old dudes from like uh, the South watching Smokey and the Bandit. It's like that's just not... That's a caricature that isn't the case. So, yeah. So, I wanted to just... Uh, I thought that stat was funny by Mulvey Hill. So, hopefully, you know, if you got an extra house in Malibu, uh, I hope it was worth it for him. Um, all right. Let's go to the XFL. Um, Chad, I, I am one... While, you know, I, I like to see people have jobs, and both in broadcasting and on the field. And I, I, I actually root for these leagues to succeed because I think it's really good for, like... Um, the athletes to have a chance to make a professional living if you're not good enough to make the NFL. I am one who does not believe in spring football as a long-term play. And I think I think the XFL viewership ultimately is going to fade after this first week and continue to go down. As Austin chronicled in SBJ, comparing it to the XFL from a couple of years ago, it was a dud. Um, I don't see it. Like and that's independent of the fact that I thought the broadcasting stuff that they did was very very cool. I loved seeing Dean Blandino talk about like uh, the calls and go like that's awesome stuff. And I maybe the NFL is going to adopt that, but I just don't see this as a long term viewership play. By the way, same thing with the USFL. I I, I would not bet long term on that product either. So uh, your first impressions from the first week of the X of the new XFL XFL 2.0. Well, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to work for a couple of reasons. One, which you've discussed before, which is that the, you just can't really have star power because these are all guys that haven't been able to stick in the best league. You know, sometimes you have guys who uh, were big names in college who didn't translate to the NFL for one reason or another. But for the most part, it's the guy you remember being let go in the last uh last cut down you know the previous august um which just uh, there's there's a ceiling on the appeal of that when you when you you your stars are guys who can't get into the best league in the in the world uh the other thing is uh, pretty obvious to me i think the nfl's just made everything year round now so when you need your football fix you're not looking to watch a, a football game on you know, ABC on Sunday afternoon or whatever, Saturday afternoon or whatever day it's on. But um, you're thinking about the draft. You're, you're thinking about what your NFL team is going to do and free agency and uh, the combine, you know, coming up in a week. And, and uh, those are the things that are on football fans' mind rather than trying to get or uh, prioritizing uh, watching a game, any game, just because you love the sport. Austin? Yeah. <laughs> Spring football is I the numbers that they're getting XFL and USFL I got to admit are higher than what I thought they would get. It is a you're getting over a million viewers generally. That's a business. That's a TV business, and a lot of sports properties would kill for those numbers. Okay, I mean college men's basketball on ESPN is averaging under a million viewers. I mean obviously the tonnage is way different, um, but that's just like ESPN the main feed. My point is. You're going to continue to see these exist because they're getting those sorts of numbers. And Chad, what you were saying, like, just take out XFL and insert MLS. And I think that's MLS's problem. These are players that if they were good, they'd be in Europe. And if they were any good in Europe, they wouldn't be here. I think MLS has that sort of reputation still, unfortunately. Um, Like I said, the ad venue product is incredible, but sports fans are incredibly smart, smarter than people give them credit for. They know what they're watching. Okay. Some people just like football in this country is what it boils down to. People would rather watch football, even if it's minor league football with the potential of a Kurt Warner type situation where eventually, by some miracle, they end up as an emergency quarterback who comes in and takes somebody to the Super Bowl or becomes a success somehow. Um, Football is just different than other sports. So I think there is room for minor league football in this country. Are the numbers going to drop off dramatically from those week one numbers of XFL? I think they're going to drop. There, I don't know how much, but uh, yeah, you always see a drop from week one. And what is the USFL going to get in season two? They had pretty decent numbers last year, but, you know, and there's a gap there. There's not a lot of overlap between XFL and USFL. Much later, April start for USFL. But, uh, you know, that's what people want to watch. That's what people are going to watch. And they're going to continue to get spots on TV. Yeah, I, 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 that's it's a good counter. And and you and you made your point. Uh, um, that was well well made points. I'm still I don't see the long term future here, but I, I certainly would own it if I'm wrong. And 
and we'll pay attention. You are the one thing Austin did say is correct. A million viewership. That's a business, a legit business that you can, uh, that you can take, uh, Austin real quick, Chad, if you want to weigh in, you can LIV starts this weekend, uh, or just when you're listening to this, they will have completed their first weekend. They're on the CW, although, um, there are certainly some CW affiliates who I believe do not have to necessarily, uh, pick them up. We'll see what kind of ultimate coverage they get on the CW, uh, networks. Um, Boy, there's a great piece by Sally Jenkins in the Washington Post who just took LIV to school. Uh, I'm not a big golf fan. I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows it's not something I would watch other than out of my own curiosity just to see how it looks um, on LIV. Although I've seen LIV because uh, we've gotten it in Canada last year. Uh, Austin, I'll start with you. Like, I mean, you know, the deal is what it was, right? I mean, it's, it's, they got some kind of linear uh, carrier, but. It doesn't feel like it's going to pop at all. I think there maybe even is an argument that like LIV year two doesn't even feel as sexy as it, you know, perhaps might have felt year one, if that's even the right term. So I guess I'm curious to see like whatever numbers come out, if they come out. But man, I I don't know. It, it does, does the momentum for me doesn't really I, I don't see it, but I'm admittedly not a golf guy. Now, I'm not bullish on it in terms of a TV product for sure. And I don't even know if we're going to see ratings. They might just be internal. Uh, you know, it's not, the CW is not a channel that ever really measured during the daytime. They had to completely adjust their measurement. Right. So is that going to happen? Yep. Likely. But when are we going to see numbers? I can't tell you that. I don't, I don't know. But um, I'm not, yeah, it feels like there's a lot less noise. Um, if you, I mean, I did watch like the golf documentary Full Swing, right, on Netflix. And you watch like, you know, the segment on yep. Brooks Kepka, and it's like he can't figure it out. And that was a whole episode about he can't really, he doesn't really know if yep. he's going to be a solid golfer again. And that's who you're kind of banking on, guys like that. And Dustin Johnson, who re- they seems, oh my God, he seems miserable. He seems miserable. It. And it wasn't. Yeah, but he, but he, but yeah. he's getting paid. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've read all about that stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, like I think for some of these guys, it turns out to be if you can't compete on the PGA Tour, this other group's just giving you a massive mm-hmm. payday. That's a good thing. The bad thing, of course. That was yeah. Sally's point, right? That was it, that well, the bad, I mean, yeah. the, the thing, again, I would respect you if you're like, I'm just in it for the cash and I have no morality in terms of where the money is coming from. Like, I may not do that myself, but in some way, I can at least respect your honesty. I, I don't buy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I, Ian yeah, Porter right. said. He's right. got houses I just, I don't and kids. Bu- anybody who says this is about growing the game to me. No, I don't uh, buy it. I, it, it I don't think anybody buys that. Yeah. yeah. And if you took the money, that you was took the, the money. I'm, I'm, it's not a judging yeah. or anything, but if I'm a sports fan and I'm a casual golf fan, okay, I'm going to watch if Tiger's on, I'm going to watch a major. And I know yeah, these guys got to earn it. Okay. If you suck, you're going home. And I, res- I respect that about the PGA tour. And Chaz, is there anything you want to add? I mean, again, like, you know, I, 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 we all make sort of these calculations and stuff. I, I do think there is a difference between, you know, watching the Olympics and sort of hating, uh, uh, the IOC and watching the world cup and hating FIFA and both those, um, entities are horrific, but, uh, it does feel a little more, um, it, the, the underbelly of this feels a little bit more to me, a little more seemly than, um, for live than for other entities, but, uh, it feels like it's going to fall apart soon. I mean, Saudi wealth fund has endless amounts of money. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd buy that. It does, but the, you know, these guys are having second thoughts. Some of the golfers are. Uh, yeah, I agree. Everybody. Yeah. It's, they, yeah. they seem miserable. They no, really no, do. It doesn't. I mean, uh, again, I'm, I know I'm a little over my skis here. Cause it's not like I watch golf all the time. It doesn't feel like this is some kind of festival of fun. Right, it just feels like these guys are. But they play rock music, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure you know Greg Norman will do another interview with someone, and you, people who are into golf can read that. And again, I like it, fundamentally. I like the fact that there's competition, and guys can sort of choose, and women can choose like different places to play. But at least for me, this ain't it. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, a couple more here. Uh, Charles Barkley on CNN. Um, I think all three of us uh, like Charles Barkley. Um, our own interactions with him as well as him on television. Is he perfect? No, uh, like obviously not. Um, but I've always admired him in terms of like speaking his mind and being a uh, uh, a performer on television, unlike anyone else in the sports media space. That said, Charles Barkley as a CNN uh, analyst. I don't think Charles is probably going to enjoy that as much as he might conceptually think he might. Um, you know, it's a very toxic environment now uh, in terms of cable news. And Barkley has always been interesting, I think, because when he delves into politics, Chad, he's delving into it from the sports world, right? Very different than um, if you're, you know, like even a couple of the specials that he had, it was sort of still Charles Barkley sports person who's sort of having, trying to have a conversation about race in America. Very different if you're doing a show like on a weekly or daily basis where you're like bringing in politician X or, uh, you know, uh, someone who's political advocacy person Y. Like I, that to me doesn't feel like a good mix, even with Barkley's fame. Um, I know he said he, you know, he's, he's, uh, He's a loyalist for his company, et cetera, wants to help them out. But if I was his agent, I would, uh, like Liv, I would advise him to not do this. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think uh, he's, you know, Barkley's kind of Teflon and one of those rare people who can kind of get away with saying things that other people can't. Um, I wonder if that would be the case if he were at a news network rather than the sports guy chiming in uh, from time to time. Yeah, I mean, he, he's already called it uh, what a shit yeah. show, right? Like you saw so, that to Marshall. <laughs> in terms of, yeah, really good. Yeah, CNN. Yeah, and that uh, what he and Gail King are a package deal. <laughs> so, I don't know how that would. Uh, yeah. I would advise Gail King work, if I was her agent I, the same thing. What do you? What don't don't jump? But CNN's a is a shit show right now. It's a mess. Don't be attaching your name to yeah, this stuff. It, it feels like. I mean, we all love Barkley for good reason, but it, it feels like it yeah, wouldn't end well. I, don't see I just kind of get that sense from any, gotta, side, any side involved. Well, no, yeah. you see it for CNN, who who, de- who are desperate for well, any kind I don't of see it succeeding, which is why I don't see it as an upside for, for CNN, because you're going to have to walk it back. What I feel is going to be pretty quickly, but... I, I, yeah, if I played it That's out, if point. I looked at it, you know, if I took a long-term view... And if I were CNN, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it. Charles is, like you said, he's among the best. He's a Hall of Famer on the court in the studio. Yep. But I, I just, it's not something that would have interested me to watch as a fan. Yeah, Don Lemon, what are you doing, man? Uh, anyway, it's a different podcast for other people. Yeah, he needs Ernie well, Kenny. Yeah, he does. I mean, in, in many ways, yeah, it's actually. It's actually interesting, Chad, because like again, as much as I really appreciate Barkley, Barkley solo that would get tired. Like there, he, he it works because he's a very different kind of voice than Kenny and Shaq and Ernie. So I'm with you on that a, a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, all right, we can. Uh, I guess we'll just end quickly on Pac-12. Uh, Austin, I know that uh, you know your place obviously is knee deep into this, and um, 
whether it's uh, John Orand or or you know Michael Smith or others, um, you know you, you guys have always done excellent reporting on this. The one thing I could tell people from having made a number of calls last week and and obviously um, um, interacting with our college football folks who uh, will continue to write stuff, et cetera. Um, the one thing that I am sure of, and I can certainly say, is that like Amazon has interest in the Pac-12. They have interest in it in terms of their price, not necessarily the price that I think the Pac-12 would like. And I think Amazon has interest certainly conceptually and fundamentally because they could use their Thursday night football product to promote a big time Friday night Pac-12 game. A little be a little harder to promote that one on Saturday, just given they'd be running up against competition Ooh. in the SEC. Big 10. So all the talk about Amazon, which has been all the talk, obviously, until the New York Post report on Apple, like conceptually, that all makes sense um, be because there would be an interest there in terms of premium property. But it's not like Amazon has to have this. So that's part one. Part two, it goes back to the same thing with ESPN. Um, you just saw massive layoffs at Disney. You just saw Bob Iger publicly tell Jimmy Pitaro, we got to be judicious in terms of like the properties we want. And if you're Jimmy Pitaro... You know, you just look down the pike and you're like, the NBA is a big part of who we are DNA wise. We want the college mm -hmm. football playoffs. Uh, you know, NASCAR is coming up in terms of uh, in terms of a media deal. Um, I don't think uh, Disney would get into the WWE, but that's sitting out there. Like my my larger point is like there are other pro you know, Disney's going to want or ESPN is going to want the women's basketball tournament yeah. if that goes uh on its own. So ESPN has got some other things of interest other than the Pac-12. Though, again, I think if the price was right, I, I, they would obviously be interested in the inventory. They're the home of college football. So, Austin, this is my long filibuster way to say that there's no question the Pac-12 waited too long to make this deal. They're in a terrible leverage position in terms of trying to get money. Forget about SEC or Big Ten money. They're in a bad leverage place to try to get Big 12 money. I think they will ultimately get a deal because they have inventory. And all these places want inventory, so they do have a product people want. But man, um, this is, I think, not going to end up um, how the Pac-12 administrators, Pac-12 college presidents dreamed no, of I, a year. Thank ago. you for the, thank you, the gentleman from Ontario, for seating the floor there um, after the filibuster. Um, <laughs> yeah, George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, was not really left in a good situation there by. Uh, by Larry Scott with, and then USC and UCLA going they're kind of, it's an existential moment, I think for the PAC 12. I don't think anybody's going to be pleased with whatever they get, whether it's taking a few more dollars to go with an Amazon or an Apple. I don't think anybody's going to like that. I don't think fans are going to like it. And if you're the school presidents, I don't know if you insist on being on linear, having a, an exclusive linear TV package, you're not going to get the dollars. They're just not there. It's a game of musical chairs. And unfortunately right now they're the ones without a chair. And it also means if you're pissed off with the package you're getting, you're looking over the horizon. You're looking at what Brett Yormark was able to do for his conference. If you're one of the schools left in the Pac-12, this is a conference where Oregon is your top football team, and they're not the Oregon of 10 years ago. Um, and, and you can make an argument. That but still an attractive program to a Big Ten or other There places. are attractive to, sure. to other conferences to fill out. If you're, tr if you're trying to get the 24 Washington teams, as yeah. well, Stanford if as well. If you're the Big yep. Ten you're, and you're eyeing 24 – like maybe you think the SEC is eyeing 24 schools. Yeah, you have a wet and you already have yeah. two schools. Yeah, maybe you want a West Coast division of your Big Ten to fill that out. Uh, or if you're a Big 12, you want to expand a little bit. So, yeah, they're in a very precarious position as a long term venture. Yeah, again, like, you know, the people at my place, the Stuart Mandels and uh, Andy Staples, Nicole Arbachs, Chris Vanini's, et cetera, Bruce Feldman, like they're they're obviously all over this. I just think if I step back and just sort of think about it logically and as a as a media um, sort of play, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, all very, very attractive schools that fit into what the Big Ten tries to sell itself as, which is strong academics, strong athletics. Now, again, I get that like it's very weird to think of uh, West Coast schools in the Big Ten, but you know we've already crossed that. That Rubicon is yeah, way, way crossed. So, yeah. And now again, like I, I'm not I'm not rooting for the Pac twelve to break up because I, I respect its tradition and and I, I think it'd be weird if I was like an alumnus of Oregon to like, you know, be playing uh, you know, Michigan State or something like that in the winter in any of these sports. But those three schools, at least for my eyes, Austin, like 
they fit into what the Big Ten sort of is. And if, you know, if everything goes helter-skelter and, like, the the deal does not come in that these presidents want, I, I just, I don't know how you can not be a, a sports fan and not think that somehow any school at this point would leave any conference. Like, you know, you've lived in the last 20 years. You've no, we've, we've seen, seen this 30 for 30 on a requiem for the Big East. I wonder if that's down the road for the Pac-12 now. Yeah, I know. Chad, I know as a big, uh, you know, I mean, as a, as Boston College, Boston University, Emerson, I mean, these are college football powerhouses. Do you want to, do you want to add anything? <laughs> Where the hell did you come up with that group of I schools? Well, actually, should they, I, it's a yeah, terrible I, job I mean, because Boston College has been an excellent football program at, uh, at different We'll times. get into college sports here in New England when they reassemble <laughs> the old Big East. Until then. You got uh, some great college hockey I don't programs, think it, though. Right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Get the bean pot. And uh, yeah, regional events, right? Austin, you know, my uh, Bill Shane and I, my colleague at The Athletic, we did a uh, like, what sports um, do we think uh, we'll get a viewership increase in 2023 or what should we keep an eye on? And, you know, obviously, like the, the, the de facto answer Ooh. is always like F1, et cetera. Uh, I mentioned women's college volleyball, which I am extremely high on and I think is going to pop over the next two years. Same with women's college uh, softball. But I do think college hockey is an undervalued asset. Um, because it has, as Chad just mentioned, massive strength in the Northeast. It's got a great Midwest um, group of schools, the Minnesotas, the Michigans, uh, the Dakotas, et cetera. And so if you could expand that footprint just a little bit, mm-hmm. it's a great sport uh, to attend. You know, again, I'm not saying this is going to be college football, but I don't know. I could see 400, 500,000 maybe one day if you really invested in it. I think you're crazy. Crazy? I love you, but you're crazy. Okay. How about how about two hundred? How about two hundred? That'd be 000? good. I mean, I see what these uh, frozen four numbers doing, and it doesn't really doesn't do it for me. That's not one of the sports we talk about. No, you're right. In terms of the NCAA breaking off potentially for its own deal, that's why it's women's college no, basketball. Agree. That's yeah. That's my growth one. Yeah. Well, four point four four. I mean, whatever. Uh, it's nuts. UConn, UConn, South Carolina. What do you get? Four point four point eight. I mean, million? this past 4. weekend, million? I think something crazy. Fox yeah. had three basketball games on uh, Saturday, and the UConn women's game beat out the other men's game that they had. That uh, women's basketball and bullish on, and it sounds cliche, but c- the continued growth of college football separating itself as the number two sport in this country. All right. All right. Before we let you go, Chad, anything you want to add to this? Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious how the uh, women's college basketball is elevating uh, uh, in terms of interest. I think it was you, Rich, had tweeted, you know, even uh, get bigger and page uh, Becker's back. Yeah. But um, is the is the men's game losing viewership? I really haven't admired this very much, but it just seems regular, like this I mean, Austin can say regular season for sure. I, I do think, Austin, that yeah. uh, March Madness is such a unique property. It's an event as opposed to anything else that I think that should still that should still do well short of like two not sexy teams um, doing the championship on CBS. But I feel like you, turn- you see a lot yeah. of initial tune in with turn- some of the out of conference you know, early season tournament games in November for college basketball. That's where you're getting some of the biggest numbers of the season when it's Duke, Michigan State or Duke, Kansas or the Garden or something like that. in one of those prearranged tournaments, then it all dips down during conference play. You have Duke for Carolina. Those will be close to the top. Um, And then you're back at March Madness. Although, you know, I I do like what Fox has done in creating that dedicated Saturday night primetime window. Uh, they got a really good number after an NFL yeah, game this that year. Good, That's probably going to end up leading all college basketball games this year as a, a game on Fox basketball. Which is amazing. Yeah, this, by the way, the, the, the problem for men's college basketball is they can't do anything about the biggest problem, which is that the best players are always going to jump. After one year, or the best players oh, that's, are going to do stuff like That's obviously one of the biggest things in the it's CBA just not a tele- it, Yeah, it's not a television show anymore that that extends mm-hmm. over multiple seasons. If you just think of it as an entertainment product, the, the product starts over every year. And I think just based on that, you have, you're going to have always going to have issues now compared to um, what that viewership was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But I think the tournament yeah. will still be a great, a great oh, play yeah. on linear television. As long as, uh, you know, as long as gambling exists and, and no, brackets exist. I'm bullish on the health of the tournament long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. And actually, I think uh, 
if you look at it in hindsight now, uh, the former Turner Sports and CBS signed a great deal. That's turned out to be a really uh, financially uh, where the number is or when it was signed, like an awesome deal, as well as the extension. All right, Chad Finn is a uh, sports media columnist for the Boston Globe. Check his work out. Austin Carp, Sports Business Journal, Assistant Managing Editor slash Digital. Check his work out. Follow these guys on Twitter. Austin and Chad, thank you very much, and, uh, and I'll see you soon on Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for having me. Take care, Rich. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Austin and Chad, as always, for coming on. Always a fun conversation with those two. Uh, previous podcasts, if you're interested, we just, as I mentioned, uh, Marcelo Balboa, Daniel Slayton, and Taylor Twelman, Apple, Apple Major League Soccer broadcasters. Um, that was a great conversation. Check that out. Prior to that, we had NASCAR announcers Mike Joy and Larry McReynolds, my colleagues Deshaun Reed and Evan Drellich of The Athletic, Jim Trotter came on this podcast, Adnan Burke and Adam Amin. Head to the archives. There should be uh, some stuff you like. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice note that uh, that absolutely helps. Also pushes down some of the uh, blasts uh, for people who are not happy about a particular guest, so that's always helpful as well. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work for this podcast. Thanks to everybody at Cage 13. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.